flourish in a lot of ways is, is autobiographical for me. So I'm a registered dietitian by trade. Like you mentioned, I went to the University of Texas where I um, studied nutrition and, and became a registered dietitian. But what actually motivated me to get into nutrition was the fact that I you know, grew up in a larger body. I started dieting at the age of 13 years old. I went on Weight Watchers for the first time. Um, and so from a very, very young age, I sort of became in relationship with food and my body. And, and I very much felt that. Hey, 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 everybody. My name's Ryan Atkinson and you are on the Biz Cloud. Today we have Claire Siegel, the CEO of Flourish on the podcast. They are on a mission to help women get healthy for good by sustaining healthy habits and nourishing your body so you can flourish in life. Claire, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so, so excited to have you on. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm excited to be here. I love your background. Um, I'm someone that I consider, I'm very interested in health. I'm a type one diabetic um, for 12 years. So nutrition, diet, creating healthy habits has always been really interesting for me. Um, you've been in nutrition since 2011. Um, that's over 10 years now. Uh, I just want to ask, like, what's one thing you think that people get wrong when they think about nutrition and their diet? Yeah, I would say, I mean, this is really relevant to what we do at Flourish, but uh people don't necessarily understand or appreciate the ways in which their relationship with food is really part of what it means to be a healthy eater. It's not just about the the nutrients you're eating or not eating, um, but also why or why not. And, and the thoughts and feelings that kind of make up that picture. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because I don't, I don't think people put enough emphasis on like what they're consuming and how it like impacts their like mental well-being but also of course their physical well-being but their mental well-being so I think yeah I don't know I think the United States has a long ways to go when it comes to developing these healthy habits and that's what you're doing over at Flourish. For sure yeah I mean we definitely societally kind of see at mm. least over time like nutrition and health has has been kind of conflated with dieting and and weight loss and the kind of snowball effect that that has had and the end stage result of that is that we're actually engaging in really unhealthy behaviors in order to achieve what we label as a health goal. And mm -hmm. so with Flourish, we're really encouraging our members to kind of like zoom out to think about what are the health goals that you have that you're working towards in the, the long term and also, you know, in the very short term. And then let's make sure that we're engaging in sustainable and healthy behaviors to actually achieve those goals right it's not okay well let me do this you know 30 day reset or 75 day cleanse you know lose the weight and then just go back to living my life the way i was before because mm -hmm. we know that that doesn't work and can actually have you know tons of negative downstream effects beyond just not delivering on its original promise yeah, let's uh, let's explore that a little bit more. Yeah. So let's explore the un. You just you said a few, but what are some of the unhealthy habits? And then let's talk about some of the successful habits. But let's first start with what are some of those unhealthy habits people do when they're dieting or thinking about their health? Yeah, totally. I mean, so some things I'm thinking about members I've spoken with recently. Um, things that come up are for for a lot of of the women that I work with, I'll see that they're not eating until you know, they're halfway through the day. And for some people that works really well, but for them it's, I'm pushing and pushing and pushing through hunger. I'm denying my hunger. And then I finally allow myself to eat. And then I overeat to the point where it almost looks like a binge of sorts. So 
I would say that, you know, practice of, you know, trying to be good by restricting during the day only to end up, you know, overeating or binging at night. Or sometimes that happens on more of like a weekly um, cycle, like Monday through Friday. And then the weekend is like, you know, we're off the wagon. That That's honestly one of the most common kind of un, unhealthy or, or just not supportive habits that I see our members engaging in, you know, kind of coming into Flourish. Another one is is like restricting or eliminating foods that you love, right? Mm. So, you know, whether that's bread or pasta or pizza, making those foods, you know, labeling them as bad and then making them off limits yep. only creates this kind of like scarcity mindset. It becomes this like forbidden fruit. So then whenever you're in contact with those foods, again, it ends up in, in a binge. Um, so those are just a couple of things that come to mind that I see like that I see our members doing with with good intentions, right? It's it's they they want to be healthy. And we've been taught through years of, of dieting that that's the way to do it. But when we look at the end result, the the fact is it's actually having the complete opposite effect that we were hoping for. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because I think when people think about dieting, it's like, oh, I can never, ever, ever have like yeah. ice cream. Thing. But it's like, no, like I'm not a nutritionist, but it's like you just yeah. need to like once or bi-weekly uh, you can still enjoy but just not every week but don't definitely don't cut it off completely totally it's it's so fascinating that the foods that we tend to try and control the most end yeah. up being the foods that we feel the least in control around and when mm -hmm. we actually it's very counterintuitive but when you kind of release some yeah. of those rules around food everything just gets the way I describe it. It's like, it's just less dramatic. You know, I, I used to have such a dramatic relationship with, you know, ice cream, which you mentioned. And now I know I can have it anytime and I don't have it all that often because it's just, you know, it's just a totally neutral food. Mm. So that's a really interesting mindset shift of like, I can have it whenever I want and I'm going to feel good about it. Yeah. But but if it is that scarcity mindset, it's like, oh, once I have this, I'm going to like really enjoy it and maybe binge probably too much. A hundred percent. Definitely. And then, so those are some of the un, unhealthy habits. Can you talk about like, what are the successful habits that you're seeing within Flourish? Um, and then we'll jump into what Flourish really is, but let's talk about the yeah. successful habits um, that you see um, when it comes to dieting. Yeah. So some of the kind of foundational stuff we work on our members, um, we work with our members on eating based on hunger and fullness cues. It sounds so simple. And, and yeah. part of that is because it is like we, we, we're all kind of brought to this planet knowing how to do this stuff, but through years yeah. of dieting and like socialization, we've just kind of gotten away from it. But like, like I said, eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full, that's a really big thing for a lot of people. It's a really big challenge. Yeah. Um, another one is um, eating, I guess I, I should say reducing emotional eating. So mm -hmm. rather than trying to eat your way out of a negative emotion, yeah. really kind of building a toolbox of different coping skills and coping mechanisms to deal with emotions or, or even just honestly being open and willing to experiencing negative emotions, mm -hmm. whether that's anxiety or stress or loneliness or anger or things that we all as human beings um, experience. Yeah we aren't really taught how to process through those emotions. So, you know, many of us, we reach for food or we reach for alcohol or TikTok or, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever we need to like numb out or dissociate. And it is such a powerful thing to know how to have your own back and to process through any emotion that comes up without having to like rely on something like food, um, which, 
you know, it's, it's, again, it's like a, it's a morally neutral thing to do. Yeah. It's not a bad thing to rely on, on food to process your emotions. It's just not that effective of a tool. Mm-hmm. That's a, I, I would consider myself an emotional eater. Like whenever I feel like anxious, it's like, but I'm yeah. I try to be at the best possible way, like mindful of it. Like when yeah. I'm like, like, Oh, like I'm really anxious right now. Or like, like I'm upset. And it's like, I always try to go for food first, but it is like changing it to like doing something else that would be better. Um, so with that like quick little blurb, uh, about like emotional eating, like, what would you recommend for like me or someone else that has something that is emotional? Yeah, I think one, what you just did, just, just being aware of it, um, labeling it as emotional eating and making sure that the, the, the eating that you're labeling as emotional eating, making sure that it actually is emotional eating. Like I said, a lot Mm -hmm. of the women that we work with, they may be eating in an emotional state, but they're actually eating because they're hungry, you know, at night after work, they're Mm -hmm. also stressed out, but because they haven't been eating during the day, they're also hungry. Right. Um, so really distinguishing and making sure that what you're labeling as emotional eating is actually emotional eating and recognizing that the food isn't the problem in that situation. Most people label the food, the eating as the problem in emotional eating, but at the root is the emotion. So if you know how to process through whatever emotion comes up, or again, if you have those alternative coping mechanisms, whether it's like calling a friend or journaling or um, you know, jumping up and down. Sometimes you just need like some <laughs> physical movement to process. Totally. You, you'll actually be amazed at how powerful it is to just physically process an emotion out of your body. Um, so like having those coping mechanisms, you know, in kind of your toolkit, as we, as we call it and flourish and, and maybe for a period it's your eating and then jumping up and down, right? Maybe it's not, you, you get to skip, skip the eating part, but may, maybe it becomes both at first. And then you start realizing, oh, wow, there are other tools in my toolbox that are actually better at this than food is. Yep. Yeah, that's, I, I like the jumping up one. That's actually <laughs> what I know, but yeah, you process it through. So totally. you obviously I've worked with like a ton of different clients, a ton of different women, I should say. Um, take me through your journey. What is Flourish? I, maybe we should have started with this. Apologies that's on the okay. other one. But yeah, what is Flourish and how did the platform really come to be? Yeah, so um, Flourish is a nutrition and body image support platform made for women. Um, it has been such a, a fascinating journey. Sometimes it feels quite long and sometimes it feels like we started it you know, yesterday. Um, Flourish in a lot of ways is, is autobiographical for me. So I'm a registered dietitian by trade. Like you mentioned, I went to the University of Texas where I um, studied nutrition and, and became a registered dietitian. But what actually motivated me to get into nutrition was the fact that I you know, grew up in a larger body. I started dieting at the age of 13 years old. I went on Weight Watchers for the first time. Um, And so from a very, very young age, I sort of became in relationship with food and my body. And and I very much felt that my brain, body and food were kind of in this constant battle. So, you know, fast forward, I go to school, become a dietitian. Um, I spent the first four years of my career at Snap Kitchen, which is a health food kind of a prepackaged healthy meals. Um, So I was there for the first four years of my career, first as their lead dietitian, and then I shifted into a product management role. Um, And then I kind of reached that point where I was like, I feel like I've done what I can do here and I'm ready for something new. And so I, I quit my job there and started doing virtual nutrition coaching, being, you know, a registered dietitian. That was, was something available to me. Um, 
I started blogging back in 2011 about nutrition. I was like very early to blogging. I feel like if I had been more savvy, I mean, I could be like a zillionaire by now if I like, really knew how to monetize a blog, but that was not my, I don't know, that wasn't why I did it. Um, yeah. It was really, you know, a, a passion project of mine. But what it did enable me to do was basically right out of leaving my job at Snap Kitchen, I had a, a you know, a, a decent following people. Yeah liked and trusted me and so was able to to bring bring clients on you know like the day i quit my job which was really cool um that practice started as like a 12-week group coaching program and it grew really quickly in the first couple of years i mean we we had worked with hundreds of women generated hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue um and i had kind of noticed like this pattern that similar to what I shared before, that the relationship with food was such an important aspect in of of these women's kind of picture of health. And it was an area where they really needed a lot of support, that they kind of knew what to do. This is what I hear all the time. I know what to do. I'm just not doing it. And so we really, I got the opportunity to really dig into to why. And as I started kind of pattern matching, I started to see the opportunity to really scale what we were doing through technology. And that um, is when we shifted that business um, into what it is today, which is a um, technology startup. Uh, and that, that has been like about, uh, I guess I started the nutrition coaching business back in July of 2018. And then we really started down this tech startup path in early 2021. That's really interesting. So this started off as like blogging and like getting a community of just like a passion project. And once you're able to leave Snap, it was like instantly you had clients. I, I did not know yeah. that about your story. I think that is amazing. Yeah, it's it's like, you know, it's one of those things I talk to a lot of other business owners or aspiring business owners, and yeah. it's not <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you should just blog for like seven years and never make a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> And then go start your business. It's like, that's not the best advice for everyone starting out. But I think the principles are are there, um, you know, around adding value, creating a community, and ultimately creating something of value that people really need. Yeah. And I think the value of community is something that people are starting to take notice on a lot more these days. Um, if it's through that blogging, but I also know on TikTok, you have over like 22,000 followers. Like one of your latest videos had like over 13,000 views. Um, can you tell, like, tell us about like these, these aren't your traditional like advertising, but they are becoming more in sync. Uh, can you tell us about like these channels of like TikTok and like how that's helped flourish, like really get its brand out there? Yeah, we we're big fans of TikTok. I mean, I'm a big fan of TikTok as like a consumer. I yeah. <laughs> hardly spend any time on Instagram anymore. And I think that tends yep. to be the the trend. I've like learned so much on TikTok. I feel like a, like new worlds have been opened up for me, yeah. like personally. Um, and, you know, we we're aware of where consumer, you know, how consumer attitudes and consumer mindsets are changing. Um, yep. We're aware that you know, Flourish exists in a space that has burned a lot of people. Um, yep. Our members on average have been, you know, tried and been failed by like five or more diets in their lives. Um, over right. half of our members have tried some sort of calorie tracking app or experience in the past. And through TikTok, we're really able to introduce ourselves um, yep. not just as a brand, but really the people behind the brand, which I think is is becoming increasingly important. Yep. And we get to engage in this like kind of trust building um, 
part of the relationship before someone ends up downloading Flourish, matching with a coach and, and ultimately signing up. So, um, you know, we've been able to do that through TikTok. Another one for us is our, our podcast is another yep. kind of mm-hmm. great customer acquisition tool and like trust building tool. Um, mm-hmm. And so we think a lot about that. We, we understand that our members are skeptical because of incoming members may be skeptical because of their history and like we have nothing to hide. So, yeah. you know, we, <laughs> we make these kind of trust building motions to to really welcome, you know, people into the Flourish community. That's interesting. So I have to ask, of course, like, why are people skeptical then? And like, why are they skeptical? Yeah, I mean, this industry kind of just sucks. (laughs) And in some ways, I'm like, am I in the industry or am I like fighting the industry? Is this like a David and Goliath thing? I don't know. I think it's a little (laughs) bit of both. Um, But like, we know that, you know, there's a statistic from the the National Institutes of Health that 95% of diets fail. And that not only do they fail in terms of actually producing um, weight loss that can be maintained over the long term, they 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 fail at that at their core you know the core premise the core uh promise but then they also have all these negative downstream consequences whether it's disordered eating eating disorder increased body dissatisfaction increased rate um risk of chronic illness like diabetes and um heart disease increased anxiety and stress like it's 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 just um sort of abhorrent how much the industry really sucks and 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 misleads people. And so you go through that enough times and you begin to feel a little bit skeptical, maybe a little bit jaded, um, things like that. Marketing, you know, marketing language is, is super tricky for people. And that's, you know, with, with that in mind, we've designed Flourish to be the like antithesis of all those things, right? So you download Flourish, you get matched with a coach and you get to have your first coaching session for free, no credit card required. Um, all of our, you know, currently our memberships are month to month. You can cancel anytime. Like I, I, I put myself in the consumer shoes and I think, what would I want as a, as a consumer? What would I need to be able to check this, you know, check this product out, check this service out and make a decision that I feel is best for me. And that's really like the, the ethos throughout the yeah. entire, you know, flourish experience. Yeah. One thing that I've like noticed, like just kind of taking this back is like, you're one, you're going to like platforms where people are already on like TikTok and like podcasting and putting a, like your face to the brand. Yeah. Um, but you're also conscious about like what the consumer really wants. Um, and like, well, if I'm in their shoes, this is what they're going to want. No credit card. Awesome. Who wouldn't love that? Yeah. Um, can you take us like through that? Like how, how have you practiced that? It was that like kind of by design or like, I mean, I'm curious a little bit more because you seem to really know who your consumer is. Um, and I'm sure that just comes from experience. Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely one of, I don't know, uh, kind of like the intangibles that, that we have, you know, founder market fit. I'm sure something yeah. you talk about on the <laughs> platform. And I feel like that is one of the the things that I as as CEO and co-founder bring to the table is really strong founder market fit, not only because I have the same lived experience that our core customer does, but because I've worked one on one with them for you know, years at, at this point, like I, you know, this business started, I was coaching every single member for at least an hour a week. It was like kind of nuts. Um, and so and, and I and I guess with that has has I've developed so much like empathy and like genuine care for the women that we work with 
Yep. And so, you know, I want the business to grow and to do well and to, you know, make a lot of money and to, you know, return money to our investors. Like I, I'm a, I, at the end of the day, I am like a business person, mm-hmm. but I really care about the people that we serve. I really want them to have a great experience with Flourish. I want them to get, you know, what they expect out of Flourish and more. Yeah. And I don't know, I think it's just, it's part of like the, my personal values and the values of my, my co-founders and the rest of our team. Yeah. I love the concept of founder market fit because I feel like a lot of people when they're thinking of ideas are like, Oh, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And it's like, well, like, what do you want? Like, what do you need in your life? Um, And I think that that concept isn't talked about enough is like basically serve yourself because if you need it, there's probably a lot of other people that need it as well. Totally. And I think that certainly for like getting zero to one, that can be really valuable and really important. Yeah. And there are certain things where I don't know everything. So we do need to do customer discovery, or I do need to rely on my team members or co-founders for their expertise and experience. Right. So I think it's also a discipline of recognizing that there is a lot of me, like there, there again, flourish is autobiographical in many ways. And it's also a separate entity from from me as well and and at the end of the day we're here to serve our customers and um and so that's really been the you know some of the guiding light of how we how how we got to be where we are today absolutely can you take us like how you like met your co-founders and what the importance of aligning the values is basically from the start yeah yeah so um so when i started the the coaching business back in 2018 right out of um snap kitchen i was a solo founder, kind of was just doing it on my own. Um, When we started picking up the pace a little bit and beginning to explore the transition from kind of like lifestyle business to, you know, startup life, that's when I brought on Jonathan, who's also my husband. Um, So John at the time was getting his MBA at Darden and he just has, you know, a, a really strong business background. He has prior entrepreneurial experience and enterprise experience. Um, yeah. And so when it came to kind of the point where we were beginning to look into raising capital, things like that, that's when he came on um, part time. We got into Techstars in January 2021. And then when we began, when we started seeing some success in fundraising, he came on full time. Um, mm. Similarly, uh Dwayman is our third co-founder um, and also our chief technology officer. And I originally met Dwayman. He was the former CTO of Camp Gladiator, the um, fitness boot camp startup. Cool. And so I had met him like maybe once um, when Snap Kitchen and Camp Gladiator partnered. And you know, you don't forget the name Dwayman. And nope. he's just awesome. <laughs> yeah. So again, when John and I were exploring this uh the, the tech space, I was like, okay, well, we need a technical co-founder. Um, yep. Not easy to do. And I was on co-founders lab and I stumbled upon Duamian. He was um, actually already working on his next startup. So he began to support us in a fractional capacity, you know, part-time while we were going through Techstars. And yep. then, you know, in fall of last year, um, he came on, you know, full-time co-founder status, the the whole bit. I, I couldn't, you know, it, it, it all worked out in a way that, you know, I could have, I could never have imagined. And so I feel really, really lucky to have um, both of them. And, and I think this, the, th- the three co-founder thing for us works really, really well. There's like a really good balance between the three of us. Interesting. Um, 
<laughs> I, I'm going to ask a question. I don't know if people like this question, but yeah, how, what's it like doing business with like with your significant other, like starting a company? Like, how do you divide that in the house? Because it could be on your mind all the time. But like, how do you have that divide? It is on our mind all the time, um, oh. and, and all the time. And you know, it is amazing in so many ways, and it's really hard in so many ways. You know, I, I don't want to paint like. A, a fake picture. It's just not, not me. Like we are talking about it all the time. Um, and you know, we have, we have the couple, you know, typical couples arguments that couples have. And then we have like the work arguments that, <laughs> that we have, but we've really made it work. I think it was hard for the first couple of months, just the, the adjustment bringing in Dwayman as a, you know, a third partner has mm. created such a great balance for us. Um, yeah because you know there's a, a third person in the room there's a third person to help make decisions it's just kind of like a nice like balancing forcing function i guess if you will um and we've just learned like john and i in our relationship like what we need to do to try to sort of separate church and state although it doesn't doesn't always work yep. but you know we've <laughs> we've taken a couple of great vacations this year that have been really really like restorative from like a relational standpoint yep. um but I think at the end of the day, like we are so committed to this to this business, and and a big part of that is the fact that like our whole lives are really dependent on it, and that's that's scary in some ways. But it's also like I I also can't imagine doing it with anyone else because I just obviously I trust him, you know, yeah. with with everything. So it 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 works, and and it's it's hard. But I don't think that co-founder dynamics are ever like easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're never easy because like that. I don't know the statistic is off the top of my head, but like the top reason the startups fail is because like it's but, like the co-founders have like a disagreement, like boom, like instant, like totally. end of start. Um, so it's interesting, like just always doing work with a significant other, but they, they people always seem to make it work. I've had a few others that do it with their significant other, but people always seem to make it work and they have different ways to do that. Totally. I mean, at the end of the day, people are hard, <laughs> you know, yeah. like people are just not predictable. Um, yeah. we're, we're emotional. We don't know how to deal with our emotions, things like that. And, and that's just something I've learned. Like the people are, are in some ways, oftentimes the hardest part of the, the business, whether it's your team members, your customers, things like that. And, um, it's been fun to kind of, you know, amp up my own like emotional intelligence and, and also do a lot of my own internal work to make sure that I'm being like my best person when I show up. Yes. And that leads me, that was actually a perfect transition to my next question. Talking about like emotional intelligence and like being your best person. You've been in nutrition, like I said, for since 2011-ish, you went to school for it. Um, you built this app, you've been at Snap. Uh, I'm curious, like, is there a time in your life where you felt like you grew the most? Oh, I feel like I'm in it right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I really do. Um, I think definitely in the last two years, the process of transitioning this business, growing the team, raising capital. I mean, we we raised our pre-seed round uh, about a year ago. Mm. And, and so we spent the kind of six months before that raising. And man, it's like getting punched in the, like signing up to get punched in the face every single day, you know? Mm. And so I've just had to become a lot more emotionally resilient. I've had to become a better communicator. Yep. Um, I started working with an executive coach around that same time. And I think mm. that combination of things has created a lot of growth. Um, so I think, I think I'm in it right now. You know, yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of emerging from this chapter of growth and I think 
I, I hope to always be, I hope to always feel this way, you know, that I'm always challenging myself and growing in, in some ways. That's one of my core values is growth. So I think that, that sounds on brand for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be a good feeling to like, you know, like entrepreneurship is not easy for anyone. It It's a challenge, but like, like you said, you're being punched in the face every single day, like every yeah, single day, coming to you, coming to you, but it, it, you probably, I'm going to ask a question. Like, have you seen yourself grown from like when you first started this, um, as just a lifestyle business, like now, I mean, what does that growth look like in like your own managerial, like how you interact with people? Yeah, I think I, um, I think it, it comes down to like that emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. Uh, on one hand, I think first and foremost, knowing how to process my own emotions and having like the tools and skills to sort of separate myself from my emotions a little bit, but also to to lean on them and to sort of like use them in a way that makes sense, right? I do want to show up as my whole self at work, as, as cliche as that sounds, right? And, you know, being able to share with you know especially my co-founders if i feel anxious or or scared um being able to do that in a way that's responsible that doesn't you know send panic through the rest of the company but um but sort of like leverage vulnerability in a responsible way that that creates the freedom for everyone else to be vulnerable and kind of sets that example i think that's definitely been an area of growth for me um related to that is my willingness to have difficult conversations and mm. to go through them in a way that I agree with. I used to like dread hard conversations, yep. fumble my way through them, and then just like feel really anxious afterwards about what I said or how I said it. And now it's just so much less dramatic because I know it's like it's part of the job, you know? How does someone like really grow I let's yeah grow their em emotional intelligence because I mean it's a huge topic now people are putting more and more emphasis on it as they should of course yeah how does someone really like how are they mindful of that about like making sure that they're understanding someone else's emotional needs and but also their own yeah I mean I think it starts with your own for mm. sure um, a lot of times we put others emotional needs ahead of our own which seems like nice and you know warm and fuzzy and selfless but it really tends to backfire um so i think number one is just developing your own sense of state i guess you could say and and that for a lot of people will look like just developing an emotional vocabulary so something i do um in our co-founder we do like bi-weekly co-founder um like long meetings like you mm. know three hours we call it sink and drink and usually they have like sink a whiskey and, and i like usually <laughs> i may i don't like drink a lot these days so um i usually don't participate that much in the drinking part of it just i don't i'm i it messes with my sleep too much and i just value my sleep but anyway um <laughs> I do a feelings check-in and and I remember in one of the one of the first times I did it Dwayne was like I'm fine what's going on and I was like no 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 like we're just we're just doing a feelings check-in like how do you feel you know so so like you know working on that uh emotional vocabulary I do it with our members too um and then again developing tools for for processing through those feelings and then just looking for signs of feelings in other people. I do that on like Zoom meetings all the time, especially in the, the team setting. I'm keeping an eye on like everyone in the room to watch body language and things yeah, like that. So um, yeah, I think just being intentional about it. Once, once you're aware of it, you're already starting to do it. 
Yeah, I think body language is like a topic people don't really like talk about enough per se. There are a lot of times I I swear to God I do this in Zoom where like or like they'll do something I Google I'm like what does this body language mean? Yeah. I, if you want to read someone's mind, just kind of basically look at their body language about what they're doing. A hundred percent. And then and then also asking sometimes like yeah you know I. I'm sensing you may be feeling nervous. Is that right? Like, did I actually get that right? Cause some, yeah. cause also like I've been wrong, you know, I've sent a Slack message to a team member. Where I was like, Hey, I noticed that you, you know, seemed a little stressed. Am I, did I get that right? And sometimes the answer is no. And it's like, opens up the space to have the conversation. But, um, it's, so it's definitely like a precedent we've set for the, the team, just that we talk about our, our feelings. One of our values at flourish, like team values is own your energy. Um, so really That's kind right. of owning the energy you bring into the room kind of taking responsibility for that but also you know on days where you're low energy or sick or you know not feeling up to it whatever just recognizing that we 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 hold space for that and respect that yeah i think it's super important for leaders like you to really allow that space to be there for you're able to express your feelings about how you're actually feeling and like the best leaders i've ever studied have ever came across they all allow this um and i i I just don't think enough people do it yet i think we will get there where it's like please come to your best self at work and like what's on your mind um so i applaud you for already doing that (laughs) i appreciate that it would be sort of um hypocritical for given what we do the nature of our company to not be that way behind the scenes so you know try to live up to to that of course. Um, and so we are coming down to an end on this podcast. I do just want to ask, uh, I'm 23 years old. A lot of people that are listening will be around my age, maybe a little older, give or take. Um, what advice would you give to someone that's 23 years old, young 20s, mid 20s? Um, one piece of advice that you'd give. Okay. Well, if you're in your like early to mid 20s and you're listening to this podcast, I already feel like you're doing probably so much right. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing some stupid stuff back in, in those days, which is also part of the process, right? Um, yeah. I, I think advice for someone in their 20s to keep to keep growing and learning, like that's one of the, the benefits that we have in, in our generation or, you know, yeah. um, this age is we have so much knowledge. And so continue to have like this zest for, for learning and growth, um, and do exactly what you're doing through this podcast, like reach out to people, make connections, <laughs> ask for help. Like you'll be surprised at how many people just say, say yes. Um, and like I said, I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already on the right track. Absolutely. And very last question for you, Claire, thank you so, so much for joining us. Where can people connect with you? Where can people find Flourish? Um, Please plug all your links and everyone, those links will be down below as well, but please, please plug them yourself. Yeah. So uh, Flourish, you can find our website at weflourish.com and you can find all of our social and download the app, book your free coaching call, all those good things. Um, We are at We Flourish app on TikTok and I am Claire underscore Siegel on TikTok. Perfect. Everyone, those links will be down below. Claire, thank you so much for joining us. Great episode talking about a whole wide range of topics. And thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Ryan. Hey, 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 everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode with Clear Siegel of Flores. She shared a ton about nutrition, healthy habits, emotional intelligence. And I love her advice she gave to young 20-somethings. It was great to have her on. If you have a takeaway, why not drop a like on this video and also make sure to smash that subscribe button, turn the notification bell for all of our upcoming episodes. I will drop you a hint. 
We have so many great guests lined up for you. We don't want you to miss out on any of them. And lastly, while you're here to keep getting great guests onto this show, let's whip out that smartphone and head to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating as well. If you loved Claire, I'm confident you'll love these other entrepreneurs. And to keep on watching, click these links right here.